This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy whatever else you may be celebrating. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are we doing? Doing good, Metcalf. Yeah, happy holidays to everybody out there. Um, it's been a, it's been a long one, you know, really really grinding. Um, trying to finish out the uh, the draft cycle for twenty twenty two strong because twenty three is right around the corner um how, how about yourself Metcalf? how are we doing are you excited for the holidays oh i am pumped i i love christmas i've always loved christmas uh it's always my favorite holiday and it kind of snuck up on me this yes. year i uh, just been swamped with work and school and you no know, ceilings and life and everything else in between um but you know we, we, we this is our first year my wife and i in a house so we we got the real Christmas tree, which is now fully decorated. Lights are hung up in the yard. Stockings are hung up. Decorations galore. Got big old prime rib roast for Christmas Eve. Ooh. I am just, I'm, I'm just working and blaring Christmas music throughout the day. I'm, I'm just having an absolute ball. Uh, what a wonderful time of the year. What, what about you? Yeah. First, uh, first Christmas together for me and the lady. Um, pretty pretty pumped about that first christmas with our pup murphy um he's very confused at what the objects under the tree are right now he keeps <laughs> trying to get intrigued about unwrapping the wrapping paper so pretty excited um man it, it really did sneak up on i mean like I'm I'm working this week I'm watching film and I'm like Christmas is in four days what is going on and so but hey I mean it's also the time of the year in which I feel like us at no ceiling start to realize like, okay, the, the monster is right around the corner when draft season's really going to get cooking. So I'm excited for it. Bring on the madness. Well, just to, to stay on theme here, uh, we, we, today's episode, as you can tell by the title um, is going to be what we think some of the prospects in the 2023 draft should be asking santa for so we are going to be crafting essentially a wish list for what these guys should be asking for for christmas um so rucker do you want to start or do you want me to i kind of want you to start because i'm not gonna lie this one's gonna uh, gonna have to pull a rabbit out of the hat Matt, metcalf hit me up with this idea and you know i gotta keep the big guy happy so sometimes you you reach out with some crazy ideas and I'm like, Hey, you know, let's, let's roll with it. Let's see if we can make some magic. And um, I'm hoping I'm not going to be a Grinch in this episode, but I wrote down some ideas um, and, and I'm excited, but I, I, I kind of want to hear where you're going to go first, because I feel like you were really pumped about this one. 
Well, you know, last year's Christmas episode, we did stocking stuffers, which was a, yes. a, a little Christmas themed. I just wanted to mix it up a little bit. No, you know, I love try, try, try something new. So, all right. So my first one is that Gigi Jackson should be asking for a teammate who can make a shot. Um, That's a good one. Go ahead, please. Yeah. So there, there's been a lot floating around in the draft community about how worrying some of Gigi's passing numbers are. And to be fair, they're, they're bad. He is currently averaging 0.6 assists per game. That's bad. An assist rate of 4.7. That's really bad. Uh, an assist to turnover ratio of 0.3. That's pretty awful. Um, something I'm you know prone to say from time to time is that the funny thing about assists is that it's a two-person stat. And to get an assist, you have to have someone else make the shot. So... I'm not saying that Gigi is this awesome playmaker or anything like that, but when there are numerous people who are just pointing out how bad some of his assist numbers are without referencing context at all, it kind of grinds my gears a little bit because for starters, he's 17. This is a big learning curve, big jump in competition, physicality, speed, athleticism, uh, defensive schemes, offensive schemes, all of it. It's a big adjustment period. Um, Secondly, no one on that team can shoot at all. So when you take out Gigi's shooting numbers, the rest of the team is shooting 39.8% from the floor and 31.7% from three. And that's rounding up. Um, as far as I'm concerned, those are not good numbers. So at, you know, before we did this, I ran through a handful of Gigi's games and it was essentially at least two times per game he would make a really good entry pass or transition hit ahead pass or skip out pass to a corner three. And it wouldn't come close to going in. Um, so all, all I ask is that either Gigi's teammates start making some of these easy looks, which would be awesome for him, them, the entire South Carolina basketball program. Um, or when people reference awful stats, put a little context into it. That's all I ask. I love that you started with this one. I had the exact same thing on my list. Um, you know, it, it's, I understand. I'm getting very, okay, now I'm going to be a Grinch. Screw it. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't, I can't hold off too long. Shout out Jim Carrey. Um, the assist fascination in college basketball or the assist to turnover, it's just, it's it's really getting some some love the last couple of years and it it seems like that's one of the the quickest cards for people to pull out to be like wait a sec no look at this you know if they're not sold on a prospect and i get it you know this is what we're supposed to do um as fans as as scouts as evaluators when it comes to the draft we're supposed to nitpick these guys and find anything we possibly can that could spread caution or put up a red flag. Um, we did the exact same thing with Cade Cunningham when he's yep. at Oklahoma yep. state. Um, you know, he averaged 3.5 assists per game. And we wanted to fascinate over that, over the fact he averaged 20 points per game as a freshman with six to 6.2 rebounds, uh, shooting splits of 43, 40, 84. And watching 
Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State, there was some times I would see him drive and kick out to a, a corner teammate that didn't have anyone five feet from him, and they would hit the side of the backboard. Yep, if they even so, took it at all. Yes, if they even took it at all, exactly. So I think it's very important that we always stress this, especially with evaluating. You have to understand the context of the situation that they're playing in. And like Metcalf just so brilliantly said, you know, this is a 17 year old. This is a guy reclassified or I, did he just turn 18? He, I, he might've, the, 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 the 17 year old card may not be applicable anymore, which yeah, is just I, a real shame. Unfortunate. I can't use that card anymore, but anyways, <laughs> really young, you know, if we want to put it the right way, he's a year behind on his development. If you want to say that he's supposed to have another year of playing high school basketball to get ready for college. I think Gigi's been absolutely fantastic. Um, when you when you weigh the circumstances and everything he's had to go through with playing that young at the SEC level, I think he's shown brilliant flashes. Still very raw, but I think it was against UAB. I, I even sent um, the No Ceilings crew a, a clip, and I was like, I, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a jackass, but um, for for once. <laughs> I I sent out a clip and I was like, prepare for the assist numbers call out. And, and it was literally a clip where Gigi drives, um, kind of crosses over, attacks the middle of the lane, throws a gorgeous like dump off to his teammate, teammate pump fakes, gets blocked. Gigi gets the ball back, literally takes one dribble, throws another pass, for a, a, a potential wide open layup guy misses a, a wide open baby hook. And I was like, he just had two dimes in one play. Didn't get one assist. So um, as we like to joke, you know, Metcalf says it all the time to get an assist. You, a teammate has to make a shot. And I think that's going to be something that people keep pointing out um, a lot with Gigi is the assist numbers. And it's like, we need to focus on, the other areas and, and don't chase box scores. Like if you watch Gigi and you're like, Hey, he, he doesn't pass in these situations. That's fine. I'm completely yes. good with that. But he also has plays where he's showcasing the ability and desire to, to make the extra pass to hit his teammates when they're open. He's also showing some times where he's launch mode. So it's, it's just going to come with it, but I love that. That's a good first one. Yeah, and th th this isn't an indictment against advanced numbers or numbers of any kind or, you know, box score chasing because, you know, I do it, especially early in the season to you yes. know, form the database. Who's popping? Who's producing? All that kind of stuff. But when you see the numbers, if you haven't watched any film and you see the numbers, don't just live off the numbers, especially in college, especially in college. It's a little easier to do that with the pros because all of those guys are the best of the best and what those numbers are is crazy. In college, though, these are teenagers. These are kids. You can't rely on kids or teenagers for anything. I can't believe anyone ever relied on me as a teenager to do anything. It was absurd. Um, so to rely on them to be these, to have that assist, those assist numbers really transfer, I, I don't think you can do that in good faith without watching the film. Like you said, if you see that, you're concerned about the numbers, then you go to the film, you watch it, you're like, God, he is just not moving the ball as much. He's getting blinders on. He's driving into traffic. He's missing kickouts. He's missing hit-aheads. If you're seeing that stuff, that's and that's your evaluation, awesome, cool, run with it, go with it. 
but provide that context. That's all I ask, because when you just look at the numbers, especially with the passing numbers with these guys, it can be so disingenuous and so misleading. Uh, just going back to the Cade Cunningham example, he was getting quadruple teamed on every play. Yes. And so many people are, oh, he's averaging four or five turnovers a game. He can't dribble. He can't pass. His pa- Look at his assist numbers. The rest of that team was shooting 32% from the floor. There is one player on that team who shot over 35% from three. It's just piece it all together. That's all I ask. I love this out of you. I'm just really, really proud of you. Um, Okay. You want to hear my first one? Yeah. Who you got? You're going to tell me, you might tell me I'm a little crazy, but I feel pretty passionate about this one. I believe that Jairus Walker should ask for the damn ball. Um, and, And why I say that is the exact same reason. And this is not a box score thing. Jairus Walker, we've we've been talking about all year about how intriguing his playmaking ability is, his upside as a playmaker when it comes to his vision, you know, going back at IMG in high school. And he's coming off one of probably his most impressive performances of the year against Virginia on the road. Um, Finished with 17, 7, and 4 assists. Um, And I know everyone's like, what are you talking about? Just off 4 assists, you're saying this? But I think you have to understand what he was doing in that game. Um, and it, it was a real eye-opener for me of, uh-oh, here we go. Like, is this all of a sudden Kelvin Sampson, like, allowing a little bit more trust and realizing, like, okay, i got a unique weapon because Jairus Walker is making reads out of the short roll that you just saw how comfortable he is having to be a playmaker. And it, it was almost like the – Hey, this is what I used to do at high school. Let's let's go. Like I'm 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 ready to roll, and I think that is also bringing out way more confidence in his game. So I understand Houston's got a wagon of a team. They got Marcus Sasser, Jamal Shedd. They got a lot of mouths to feed. But let's give my man some more touches. He's got talent. He's got the ability to make this a a really more dangerous team. So you know, Jarris Walker does everything, but let's give him the damn ball. Yeah, I adore that because I thank you. It, at, at IMG, Jairus Walker was one of the most dynamic two-way players in the entire country coming out of high school. He ran point. He scored off ball. He defended point of attack. He played low man. He defended the entire weak side on his own. We're seeing that defensive stuff translate and being effective immediately this year where you know he's tagging the roller, recovering the shooters, jumping passing lanes. Um, he's doing it all defensively. It's the offensive stuff that he just hasn't been afforded the freedom to explore. And I thought his senior year at IMG, he showed more than enough of ball skills, passing vision, ability to attack downhill, to finish at the rim, to score in the mid-range. There are nasty tools there. And Houston hasn't allowed him to really showcase any of it. Um, recent games it seems to kind of be creeping out a little more um it seemed to start a little bit in the alabama game where they started running some dho stuff with him and noah Clowney bit on everyone and jairus just kept it and tried to murder someone at the rim on one and scored on another and had a kick out on another there's a lot that he can do to make life a lot easier for sasser and shed and tremont mark and arsenal and the rest of that team where if you give him a little more ball 
handling and playmaking and scoring responsibilities, that makes life easier for them because then defenses are collapsing. Those guys can then better utilize their outside shooting. They can boost their numbers. They can rest their legs a little bit on offense because they're not bringing the ball up and, you know, dealing with these point of attack defenders 24 seven, then they have a little more energy to exert on defense. Kelvin Sampson loves defense. I love defense. Houston loves defense. Just make life easier for everyone. Give Jairus Walker the goddamn ball. And I just continue to believe that we we cannot box score or chase with Jairus Walker this year. Yeah. Um, he's going to have those games where he looks really good. He, like, we say this a lot as, as evaluators. I think this is one of the most important things. You know, watch the off night um, and, and don't, don't, consume film off of box scores. Like that's one of my big things because that does not tell the whole story. And I think Jairus Walker has had some flashes in games this year where how impressive the film is, does not match the box score. Like he, he might have eight and seven in one game and you go watch that game. You might be like, Oh my gosh, he was everywhere. And, and I also think he's just a big guy that, you know, he makes that extra pass. That might be the next pass where it's, you know, yeah. hockey assists. I, I love hockey assists. And I, I think he just understands like, okay, attack, kick out to the wing, one more pass, that guy's going to be wide open. And um, I, I love his game. I, If anything, I just want him to even get more touches because I, it's not that I think he needs to get touches to shoot. I think he just needs to get touches because of his skill set and his playmaking ability. Yeah, and I, I think that Alabama game is a perfect representation of that. I mean, he only had eight points on three or four shooting, five rebounds, two assists, two blocks, two steals. Good stat line. A little bit of everything, just a sprinkling of everything. And if you just look at the numbers there, it's like, okay, yeah, good good game for you know maybe a late first-round guy. You watch the game, and it's like, fuck, this dude is everywhere. Yeah. He is single-handedly defending the weak side on his own he's switching on the perimeter he's operating on the dho he's driving he's attacking he's being physical he's being determined he's contesting threes he's rebounding he's trying to kill guys at the rim by dunking on them and it's that doesn't come through when you just look at the numbers so he's he is he's going to be one of these do-it-all guys where the numbers are going to be like oh okay it's good it's good but there's so much more there that he does that just doesn't show up in those in those stat lines. Yeah, I, I can I continue to believe that uh, NBA front offices are going to be absolutely drooling when they get up close look at him and everyone's evaluating the film and um, especially I imagine he's going to have great intel. Um, yeah. You know, we're going to be a part of the year. I've heard is that this yeah. dude is awesome kid, incredible worker. Yeah. And that carries volume in front offices that are trying to invest, you know, millions and millions of dollars in a young kid. If they hear that and all of a sudden they're in an open gym, seeing him run around with how much of a beast he is. Like, I, I think Jairus Walker is going to, I know we have him projected. Where did we have him? Oh, we had him going eight. So okay. See on which is no sailings. NBA.com to check out the mock draft that yes. Um, go check out the mock draft. I was, that was pretty much the easiest pick, I think, the war room. It, it made. took us five seconds. Besides the top two, it took us yeah. We're like, all right, Thunder. Oh, Jarris is on the board. There we go. Yeah, everyone was like emphatically yes, but then on, I feel like we always throw out a name or two just because we're like, don't skip. And, and then we were like, no, Jarris makes way too much sense here. But <laughs> Jarris, um, Chet, Shay. 
Giddy, yeah. Jalen Williams. <sighs> um, fun. Hit me with your next one. Let's do this. All righty. So my next one is pretty similar. Um, and it's that Derek Lively should ask for a new offensive role. Um, yeah, I, I, gotten... I wrote Derek Lively should ask for attention. So I think we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're right there. So just off the top of your head, what do you think Derek Lively's usage rate is? Uh, I'm just going to throw out a number because my brain's on 5%. Um, 15. 13.2. I that's I not good high. in case you're curious um that's also the lowest on duke's team besides max johns who has played a total of 13 minutes um and it is also the lowest in bartorvik's database that goes back to 2008 by a lot among the top college recruits so the the number one player in their recruiting class who went to college um the next cl- the next closest is Nerlens noel who is at 18.2 just for a refresher, Derek Lively is currently at 13.2. He has only taken 35 shot attempts this year. Of those 30, 35 shot attempts, 28 have been close twos, and 16 of those 28 have been dunks. Only three shots have been far twos, and he's only attempted four three-pointers. This dude is not allowed to do anything on offense, and I have no idea what to do with his evaluation. My brain is literally like has a dynamite fuse running towards it. And I feel like I'm going to explode with all of that. That is absurd. It's it, it's some of the worst indicators that I can remember. Um, and he's been playing for a while. So it's not like he just got back from injury. He's been playing for a month plus maybe at this point. And he's still only screening. That's it. That's all he gets to do. It's not like he's allowed to play make or create from the top of the key or the elbow or the post. He's never given post-ups. He's rarely thrown lobs even. All of his offensive production comes from offensive rebounding or tip dunks or you know weak side lobs. He's put in the dunker spot and told to stay there. He's not allowed to, you know, w- what happened to that three-point shooting montage that Duke sent out in the preseason of him what happened to all that hype what happened to this dude being the freak athlete who is the number one overall prospect according to espn who's not allowed to do a goddamn thing on offense it would be one thing if his usage was like 19 and it was one of the lowest among top college recruits over the past 14 years and be like god that's concerning but it's the worst and it's by far and it's not even that his shot attempts are you know okay, he's facing up and, you know, taking some interesting mid-range jumpers. It is nothing. And it is really concerning and it sucks for him. He's played more than 20 minutes, four times in 11 games. Um, In his last four games, he's averaging 17.7 minutes and he's averaging 7.3 points, 4.5 rebounds and three blocks. I kind of like his shot blocking, actually. Yeah, I mean, he he, he just came off a game where he had five blocks in 21 minutes um, and had eight and nine, eight points and nine rebounds against Maryland Eastern Shore. Shout out. I don't know what to do with him. Um, Going to be one of 
my favorite things to ask around when I'm talking yes. to evaluators and, and buzz and scouts, I'm, you know, I'm gonna be like, excuse my French, but I'm gonna be like, what the fuck's going on with lively? You know? And that's probably going to be the same question I get. I'm gonna be like, what's, what are you thinking about lively? Cause it's going to come down to a point where someone they're either going to say no, or they're yep. going to say too much talent. Um, hate the fit. Um, it, it's just going to be one of those things and Intel's going to be a big thing, but I, I think we said it on a recent pod. Um, I was like, I, I, I can't have him in my lottery. And right now he's trending towards like, I don't know if I can have him in my top 20 and you know, we were doing, he's barely in my first round. We were, yeah, we were doing the mock draft and we got to a point where we were like, lively's on the board. Like, and we do that in the war room to kind of be like, just just make a note of it. These guys are on the board and, and I don't know what to do. Cause it, it's, it's tough. The shot blocking shows some flashes, but it is just a lack of, I mean, even when he subs in, you're like, Oh, lively's in. And then five minutes go by. And you're like, Kevin touched the ball. You know, just, he barely looks like he's out there. So I don't know. I I'm, I'm struggling with that one, but I, I would like to, it'd be very cool if all of a sudden he has a, AJ Griffin moment of last year where it's like lively is coming alive. And here we go. He finished with 15 and 12 and four blocks. And I have one at a point to just like play him 30 minutes or, or you know what I'm saying? Just play him right. extended. And um, I'd love to have a game where he shoots 14 times, but it's just seem it seems like he doesn't get the ball to, to score unless it's right around the basket. Yeah. And it, a lot of these early season matchups are those games where you should be allowing him to do that. Where if there is rust that he has to work off, do it against fucking South Carolina state. Like do it against these barely D one teams that you're scheduling before your conference play kicks up. Like he's not going to get those opportunities when he has to go against Armando Baycott. Like he's not going to get those against Miami when he actually plays legit good teams. Like we've seen them do in some of their preseason preseason tournaments. He hasn't gotten the ball ever. Why is that going to change? What is changing in Duke's situation from now until the end of the year that is going to see him have an uptick? I mean, Kyle Filipowski has a usage rate of 29.1. Ryan Young has a usage rate of 16.8. That's over three points higher than Derek Lively. What the fuck are we doing that Derek Lively can't get as much usage as Ryan Young? Really? Is that where we're at? Because I and the, I don't mean to completely crap on Derek Lively. It's his situation. Because I we talked about the shot blocking. His block rate of twelve point six. That's awesome. I love some of the stuff he's showing from the weak side and help shot with his help rim protection. But this dude just cannot get the ball. So do we think it's a case though where the injury is actually a lot worse than we originally imagined, and he's at like sixty percent, and he's just out there because he wants to be and he's convinced his coaching staff and trainers that he's good enough to at least be out there and this is the absolute max that they can get out of him i want to believe it um but i'm not yeah because nothing in his movement looks like he's hampered yeah i don't it looks like a guy that's everything's moving too fast and he doesn't have any confidence right now um it doesn't look like the number one recruit in the country but also, it's just it, it it's just a weird fit right now, and and it's one of those 
Is everyone expecting Derek Lively to be, you know, this type of presence like Paulo, where it's like you feed him in the post, you, you, you force feed him. And I don't know if Lively is that um, at this I, point, his development. So can he just get a pick and pop. Yeah. I mean, but we don't know because he's not getting those looks. It seems right, like he's ever. setting screens and it's like, go to the basket and, um, you know, <laughs> Gosh, shout out Hoosiers with Norman Dale. And he's like, don't shoot the ball unless you're directly under the basket. I feel like that's what they're saying to Derek Lively. Um, so I don't know. It, it's one of my more frustrating ones right now. And um, I'm already waiting for a day where, you know, I'm having a just one of those days. And I'm like, well, I might as well watch Derek Lively's film and and see what's going on. Because that's just going to be, you know, cruel and unusual punishment. But I'm I, we're rooting for the kid. That's why we said we need to give him some more touches. Well, and, and yeah, the, and the, that's the thing. None of this is meant as a slight on Derek Lively because right. there's too much talent. There's too much athleticism. There's too much potential there for him to be put in the role that he is. And to his credit, I, I haven't heard him say a thing about complaining or anything. Um, maybe maybe that's an issue. Maybe just behind the scenes, speak up a little bit. Um but that that whole thing where we were concerned coming into the year of God, I, I just forget Lively's on the floor at times. Hasn't gotten any better. And, you know, some of it's him. Maybe he needs to be a little more demanding on the court to get the ball and stuff like that. But based on the way that no one looks at him or feeds him, it's not like he's passing up shots. It's not like he's just getting opportunities and being like, yeah, I'm good. He's just not even getting looks. So it it's tough. God, yeah. Fired up tonight. All right. Yeah, you really are. <laughs> I'm really proud of your performance so far in this episode. I mean, you're, you're bringing some heat. I feel like we had an episode last week where you were like having a long work week and you were exhausted. And I was like, okay. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were sick. And I, and I was like, <laughs> all right, I got you. And now all of a sudden the roles are reversed where. Uh, for everyone listening, I feel like I've slept 30 minutes in the last two nights. So I'm, I'm, I'm in great shape, but well, I need to get, get whatever the cap's drinking. Yeah. You know, no one cares. Um, I got a lengthy list of some ideas, but I haven't brought up this guy much and I continue to love him as a prospect because I think he's just going to be an absolute steal wherever he ends up. But TCU guard Mike Miles should ask for some damn respect. Um, I absolutely love Mike Miles. Hooper, tough, plays his butt off. He's just an absolute gamer. And I just, he had a, a little bit of an injury was missed a couple of games. Then first three games of the year, he's averaging 21, four and three on 46 and 26, which I was like, okay, come on, Mike, get the, get the outside shot rolling. His last four games, efficiency's coming around. And this is after he d- dealt with a stupid injury. Um, 15, three and two with one and a half steals. from the field, 46% from three. I feel like there's just some, some guys right now that we're like, Hey, we need to remember that these guys can play. And and I think Mike miles is right there. I know, um, you know, people are going to be a little colder on, on him as maybe one of these guys that deserves to go earlier. Um, but it's just one of those, every time I watch Mike miles play, I'm like, this guy is going to figure it out. He's going to be a, a guy that makes a roster and works himself into a rotation. Cause 
he's just tough as nails and he, he looks like he's annoying to deal with if you're defending him all night. Cause he's just, he's physical, he's stocky and, and he can do some things with the ball in his hand that he's just a nasty, nasty player. So I'm a big Mike miles fan. I'm, I'm willing to hold on to that stock as much as I can, but, um, gotta, we gotta give him a little bit more love. I haven't talked about him enough. I haven't talked about him enough. Yeah, and he he's one of these guys that just plays like that. <laughs> it's all I, I know that sounds simplistic, but he he just is a really solid point guard. Um, just kind of going off the rails here a little bit. What's going on with this free throw percentage? Do I don't you know see that. That's weird. It is weird. So, and freshman season, 82.7. Last year, 75.9. This year, 62. But on over seven attempts, which is, I love the attempts, but he's a much better shooter than that. So yes. I, I wonder if there's something going on there. But sorry, very weird. Love Mike Miles. Um, I I think something that frequently gets slept on with him is how physical he plays. Um, his, his super strong dude, point of attack defense. He will put his chest into you. Uh moves his feet well, uh, can really create turnovers, uh, steal rate of 2.3. Love to see that. Um, but then even though I, even though he's six foot two, I, he finishes through contact a lot and attacks contact in the rim, hence the, you know, seven free throw attempts a game. He's not one of these small guards where it's like, all right, well, once he gets to the rim, he's screwed because he's, you know, trying to finish around the trees and can't handle the contact. He is going straight through, guys. He's a little bowling ball, and he will move you. Um, big fan of how he plays. Would like to see the playmaking kind of take a take a step up. Like I, th- I think he's a good passer, but he doesn't really pass guys open a ton, if that makes sense. Um, but he moves the ball well, makes the right reads. Just that that those shooting percentages are just odd, at least from the free throw line. So. Big fan of Mike Miles, definitely deserves um, a, l- a little more praise than he's gotten because he feels like uh, this guy's just a junior or whatever, it, you know, where people have just kind of forgotten about him and moved on to the next new shiny thing in the corner. Yeah, I mean, I have a feeling he came out in the year and was like, hey, I'm returning top top dog. I got to I gotta go put up some numbers. And you could tell, like, his, his efficiency – was struggling a little bit. Um, but now I feel like he's come back and he's, you know, they're starting to win some games again and, and he's just been more efficient. And, and I, I just feel like Mike miles will be that guy that down the road, you're watching a playoff series and your team that you're rooting for is playing against, you know, Mike miles is, is in the rotation for the other team. And you're just like, this damn Mike Miles is just all over the place. He's driving me crazy. He's just one of those guys. He's a pest. And um, like you said, he's just, he's six, six, two, but he's physical and he welcomes contact. He's oh, like, yeah. let's yeah, you're, that is exactly my wheelhouse. Let's play physical. So um, I just really, really like him. And one of those guys that will probably end up being a sleeper doesn't get enough love, but uh, wouldn't shock me if he he keeps slowly making some more noise, but I'm right there with you. It's one of those like, oh, everything looks good, and that damn free throw percentage. So, um, have to keep an eye on him. Have to keep an eye on him, Metcalf. All right, um, my next one is one of our favorites. 
uh, from a mid-major from Richmond. Tyler Burton should ask for a better publicist. Um, oh, that's good. I like this. I wasn't ready for that. I, I, I man, I, I have been trying to push this dude to the NBA for three years now, and it, he just for some reason doesn't get any love. So this year is currently, you know, and this year, you know, no Jacob Gilliard. Um, I'm blanking on their center from last year or the last two years, but now Tyler Byrne is the dude. He is the number one guy on both ends of the floor for this Richmond team. And, you know, he's now averaging 18 points, which is up from 16.1, uh, 8.2 rebounds up from 7.7, 1.8 assists up from one, uh, 0.7 blocks, which is up from 0.5, 1.3 steals, which is up from 1.1. Uh, the three-point percentage is down to 32 from 36 and a half last season, but it's also on six attempts a game, and it's a lot more difficult variety in shot attempts. Um, obviously, very different shooter, not comparing them as players, but it kind of reminds me of the Benedict Matherin three-point percentage this last season where people were like, hey, is he really that good of a shooter? It's like, look at the shots this dude has taken, where it's movement, it's contested, it's tough stuff. And it feels like Burton's taking a step into that direction where it's not just catch and stand still, catch and shoot. The variety and the difficulty of the shots is really improving. So the percentage dropping a little bit makes some sense, but on a much higher volume, love to see it. And all of the other shooting numbers are essentially the, the same. Additionally, he is one of six players in the country who have played at least 10 games, have a usage rate of at least 25, a defensive rebounding rate of at least 20, a block and steal rate of at least two, have shot at least four threes, and is shooting at least 30% from three. Big fan of Tyler Burton. I don't think he's going to be a game changer in the NBA, but I definitely think he's a rotation guy. Checks a lot of boxes. Um, me and you have talked about him off the air, on the air. I mean, pretty much every way possible. I, I just six, seven guy that can shoot the crap out of the ball. I think you're spot on about it's really important when you look at a guy that is an upperclassman and you have to realize like how much talent was removed from that team. And, you know, his numbers, his, if you track his box scores and his stats throughout his college career, the attempts go up. The three-point attempts have climbed a lot. And as those have climbed, his field goal percentage has stayed right there. Um, obviously, the three-point percentage is down from 36.5 last year. It's 31.8, as you're talking about. I think I'm right there with you. I think that doesn't tell the whole story. But, I mean, you look at the advanced numbers. Um, advanced numbers are pretty good. He's he's 56% on true shooting percentage. Um 58% last year. Um, I, I I just think it's a guy that we're going to look up, and if he doesn't get drafted, I think it's a G League guy that all of a sudden doesn't stay in the G League for long because teams want shooting, and he's got size and shooting, and he can, he can shoot it in a hurry. I mean, 18 and 8, I don't care if you're a senior, I don't care where you're playing, 18 and 8 on 45% from the field is – still notable and, and if i'm rooting for burton to go on a little bit of a heater and get you know those numbers up a bit when it comes to efficiency because i i really do think this could be uh one of those really down the road like do not forget about this name and all it takes for a guy like him is hey say maybe he doesn't get drafted but he goes to summer league and puts on a show in one game then teams are going to get the attention of a guy that can 
shoot it with size. So I'm still a big fan. I love that. Yeah. And I, my big issue with him last year was that the the defense just wasn't there. He was kind of all over the place and this year looks a lot better. Um, so I, I, I think he's kind of a, a three and D type guy who could fill out a lineup or a, a bench even. So definitely a name. I think people should pay a little more attention to and uh, give a little more respect to. So, all right, who, who you got next? How many more are you thinking? Because I have one that I'm really holding in the ho- like holster that I feel like might bring you to some some giggles. You might um, laugh. I I only have one more left on my list. So we can, we if you have twelve, we can run through all twelve of yours. We can go however long your heart desires. No, I'll do I'll do one more, and then you can have the last one. Is that cool? Sure. All right, here we go. Baba Miller should ask for John Wick to go after the NCAA. <laughs> I, I I thought about throwing Baba Miller on here. We haven't <laughs> talked about Baba at all. I got to give him some love. You know, F- Florida State is having a heck of a year and not in a good way. Um, no, God, no. Where are they at? They are, oh boy, sorry. Sorry, Seminoles fans. They're three and ten on the year. They're currently, as we're recording this, they're down by one to Notre Dame. Baba was suspended for sixteen games by the no fun police of the NCAA for, for, for something that he paid back to. And yeah, didn't even know I'll the never rules get about. that one. Like, it's, can we can we stop treating these international teenagers like absolute shit? I mean, I don't know. Or and the domestic ones for that matter, just all of them. I don't know. I I'm it's a fucking joke. I'm I'm sorry for everyone listening. I don't have it in front of my head. Was it moving expenses and he paid it back? Was that no? It's like he. I I think it was. Uh, again, I don't have this is off the top yeah. of my head. So apologies if I don't get every detail correct. But I believe Florida Expert State journalist. basically basically paid for him to fly over, um, for like a, a summer camp or something like that, or train some training camp some some sort of camp and you know what either they didn't realize it or thought they would get away with it once he realized that he broke a rule or whatever he just paid back the money and for some reason that was still not good enough for the ncaa who really for some reason shouldn't or for some reason they still have control over all of this stuff even though why i don't I don't really know what their usefulness is, but for some reason that was worthy of was it 18 game suspension or something real fucking stupid like that. So this kid could be playing in the pros overseas. He could be making money over there. Um, Instead, he decided to come to Florida state and just get fucked by the NCAA. So, you know, best way to sell your product is to keep some of the most fascinating and entertaining people out of it. Just embarrassing. And for everyone that isn't familiar with this game, Baba Miller was playing for real Madrid. Um, I think one of the lower clubs, they, I have the article ahead of me. So I'll, I'll, we'll be expert journalists now. Um, really big press guys. <laughs> 16-game suspension for receiving, quote, travel benefits. Um, Prior to his commitment to the university, the 18-year-old flew from his native country of Spain to the United States and back to attend a training camp. The school paid for it. 
The um, total amount Miller received was around $3,000, including flight, hotel, training, and meals. Um, oh, well, she can't feed them. Oh my no, God. yeah, that's that's compliments to Basket News. That was the first one that came up. Shout out, guys. It's ridiculous. Um, and, and for everyone listening, Bob Miller is very, very intriguing prospect. Um, I know we've jokingly thrown Victor out as the, the – everyone's favorite unicorn tag but there was some baby unicorn vibes about baba miller of maybe being a guy that's like he either hits the ground running and it's oh my gosh have you watched baba miller or he looks very raw and and um you know they're playing their 14th game tonight so we got a couple more games till baba's ready baby i mean free baba but um i'm excited to see what he can do because we're at that point of the year where it's like, just give me a new wild card. Just give yes. me someone that's fresh and new. And and he, he, from, if you watch his film from overseas, he has some flashes where you're like, Whoa, I mean, I think he's six eleven, seven foot. Oh God. But he moves like a wing and I'm sorry. I'm going off the top of my head and um, looks like he's got a good outside shot. He, he could push coast to coast. So there's some fun tools that could make him, one of those, you know, if you're not familiar, you might all of a sudden look up and be like, who the heck is this guy? And it's like, well, the NCAA, you know, put him in jail for a while. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, just sucks. Irredeemable crimes, really, by him. I mean, the fact that they're letting him play at all is just a testament to their, you know, generosity. Um, God, what a fucking joke. Um, okay, no, but I, I want to stick on Baba a little more because okay. I have no idea what to do with him. Um, or like my opinion of him is just non-existent coming in besides, Oh, that's interesting. So what, what, where are you with his eval? Um, I have him just like at like 33 or something. Uh, Yeah. 33, just because I, it wouldn't surprise me if I jump him to 10. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me if he really struggles and looks in like the shot hasn't improved at all. And I drop him to 45. Where are you at with him? I, I probably have, I mean, I probably had him late thirties, early forties. Cause it's just, I, I'm sorry guys. I'm one of those annoying ones that it's like when I'm making a big board and you know, he hasn't played a game this year. I'm not going to just be like, well, I really liked Baba and had yeah, him same. at 30. I'm going to keep him at 30 all year. I'm like, no, he hasn't played. And I still like a lot of other guys. So if he comes in and, and starts showing some flashes, like, yeah, I'll move him back up right in a, in a hurry. That's the beauty of up updating a big board. But that's also why I like to wait. Um, he has some games overseas that does some stuff. You're like, my goodness. Like, it, it is just defensive rebound, pushing the floor, you know, three dribbles dunk or two dribbles pull up three. And the shot looks very smooth. Um, he just kind of looks like he could be a very, very fun thing um to get excited about so if he comes in and plays a good first game everyone better buckle the heck up because people are going to start ringing that bell it's going to be a tornado siren when it comes to baba miller getting some love in the draft community but i'm expecting him to be raw um you know he's been suspended he hasn't played in a very long time um don't know off the top of my head if these practicing every time i imagine that i don't know whatever i don't know what the ncaa is making the specific rules but he's fun metcalf he he's one of those like he does some 
stuff on the court where you're like, oh my, you know, if people are getting, if people were getting excited about Poku overseas, just imagine what Baba Miller with Florida State, if he does something on the court, can do. So I think there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some, some groans, but I do think there's some long-term upside to get excited about. Okay, cool. Uh, well, my last one is a guy we've talked about a good amount, so we don't have to go on too long, but Jet Howard should ask for eyes in the back of his head. Um, I am bought in on every aspect of his game besides the off-ball defense, and it is the only thing keeping him out of the top 10 for me. And he gets back cut so fucking much. It It's a couple times a game, and it's so frustrating because when you look at his off-ball movement, it's like, God, this dude just knows how to move off-ball, knows how to find open spaces, knows where they are, knows how to exploit them. And then on defense, he's completely clueless, which is so frustrating. It's like you, you're doing this exact same thing on the other end of the floor. Defend it. Like, realize what's happening. Um, and at this point, I, I don't know what the fix is besides just putting an extra pair of eyes in the back of his head. That seems like the only possible um, solution, obviously. But recently, he started showing a little more off the ball juice. Um, I think it started in that Minnesota game where he was showing some step backs and isolation creation. Um, even the on ball defense, it's not awesome, but I think he holds his own because he's massive and he's strong. And I think his feet are good enough. So I, I, I think there's some upside there. It's just the off ball stuff that's really really concerning and it's not that it's just bad it's awful um but everything else that he's showing is super high level iq stuff the shooting's legit the off-ball movement the passing it's all real the size i love it all it's just that off-ball defense yeah it's it seems like he's got everything you want to see in a potential wing with good size like he's he's been a popular name in the draft community and um, the opening, you know, weeks and months of plays. And you could tell that he, he definitely has the offensive ability to stick at the next level for a very long time. But as you're saying that conference play is about to start getting, you know, revving up around the NCAA and everyone knows now that Jed Howard is, got a target on his back when it comes to him on the defensive side of the ball. So those teams are going to attack that, you know, that is going to be on the scouting report for everyone is you better backdoor Jed Howard to death. And, and so this is also what we love as evaluators is like, he's going to know that the coaching staff's going to know that the opposition's going to know that. So how's he going to respond? Is he going to, is he going to try to lock in defensively and make a real serious, you know, adjustment or effort to to get better on that side of the ball? Or if he does that and he tries to focus too much on that, is that going to hurt his offensive game? So the, it's going to, this is why we love conference play. This is why me and Metcalf have talked before about, you know, you get to a point in the year where you're like, all right, enough already. Rip the bandaid off. Let's go conference play. Like let's, let's get the, no offense to the other schools, but like, let's get the competition level at its highest for everyone. I mean, even the lower teams are going against their rivals and their conferences. They're getting pumped up. So um, Jets, one of those guys I, I really, really like. I want to buy in completely, but I just got to wait to see some more defensive growth. I want to yeah. kind of see if, if just all of a sudden 
he takes steps in the right direction. And I'm not needing him all of a sudden to become, you know, damn Tony Allen on the perimeter. I just need him to just competency. Yes. Just get to a point where you're like, okay, you're not a target. And, and if he gets to that point, then we're cooking in some dangerous territory. Cause we've talked about this with a lot of these prospects. There's a lot of guys that have a lot of upside and, and excitement, but you, you find that one thing you're like, Oh, if this could just go away, <laughs> we would, we would really be talking about some special stuff. So I love jets still, but I'm right there with you. Let, let's see what happens with the defense. All right. Well, Rucker, what's the best thing in basketball that you saw recently? Oh gosh. I'll tell oh. you the worst thing I saw. Um, I just, while I'm looking up stats for the podcast, I just saw the Celts are getting their ass kicked by the Pacers. So really fun to see that turn around. Um, I, I just went to the Suns uh, basketball game. Shout out to my fiance. Surprised me with some tickets. Got to see Devin Booker drop 58. So that was a pretty damn good night. So that's the best thing I saw in basketball. I mean, they were getting their ass kicked too. And Booker was basically like, get on my back, please. Let, let me take over. So, um, and, you know, Sarver selling the team. That's the best thing I've seen on the internet. So there you go. <laughs> Shout out Suns fans. What about you, Mecca? Um, yeah, again, that, that, that sale of uh, the Suns was huge and great to get real shitty people out of, uh, out of sports. God knows there are a lot of them and God knows they need to leave. So awesome news. Um, I, I'm going to go with Anthony Edwards and Nas Reed who have been, absolutely on fire recently Nas Reed. i love God, that Nas rocks i love him so much um and it's gonna hurt so much when he signs somewhere else next year um but oh, it is gonna hurt i wouldn't I, I, do it yeah no it's just painful um but ants shown better playmaking better offensive initiation better shot selection just really coming into his own and maturing um how that looks in a month or six weeks from now, we'll see. But Did as I of, see they're playing him at the point a little bit. Or yeah. Are they just letting him? Oh. Well, they they're they're having him bring the ball up some and and using D'Lo more as like like with his off ball shooting and stuff. So that's um, great. I, yeah, and that was an who is an excitement. Working. So I'm very excited yeah. to now turn on Timberwolves basketball. Well, Rucker, please plug away. Tell the people or tell the people where they can find you. No ceilings, NBA.com. Find me there. We just released, we had a bit, we've had a big week, folks. We, we had a big board. We've just put up our mock draft today. Um, shout out to, I think someone on Twitter was like, delete this because we were suggesting Scoot Henderson should go second in the draft to the Pistons. Okay. Um, you got me. Um, I don't, I don't. So I, I wrote the, and I thought you were, that. yeah. Yeah, I don't give a shit who's picking there. It's Scoot. No, 100%. it's Scoot. I and don't I, care about I, fit. I don't I, care about long jams. He's the best player at that spot. Would go number one in ninety nine percent of drafts. I Shut absolutely love Scoot. I, I love what you wrote. It was perfect. It was like it doesn't matter. Take the best guy. Figure it out later. It's it's spot on. But yeah, um, go check that out. Thank you guys for your support as always. Have a very happy holidays. And um, Metcalf, thanks for always doing this as well. I'm excited for 2023. Keep this train rolling. Absolutely. Well, once again, I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at TMetcalf11. Uh, you can find all of our written work at noceilingsnba.com, including that big board and mock draft that Tyler Rucker just mentioned. And it's all 100% free. 
You can follow us across all socials at No Ceilings NBA and on YouTube at No Ceilings TV. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Please be safe this holiday season and have a beautiful holidays. Until next time, see ya.